Well, if you saw the note on Facebook, how long have you waited for a promise from God or answers to a prayer? For some, we wait months. We may have waited years. And for some people that I know who waited a long time for certain things they were praying for, you can hear the discouragement and the things that come in their words and such. Now, could you imagine believing God for something that will never happen in your lifetime? And you know it. It will never happen in your lifetime. Hebrews tells us that these people died in faith. And many of us have trouble living in faith. But these guys died in faith. Died never seeing the promise that they believed for. But all the way up to the end, they, the Word of God says they were in faith. And have you ever heard that phrase that says, through the eyes of faith? I'm going to talk about that because a lot of times we throw that thing out, but we don't really know what it means. Or we really couldn't define it. If someone were to say to you, what does it mean to, to see something through the eyes of faith? We'll see if you have, have the same definition that we get out of uh, here in Hebrews. So, with that, last week we were looking at Sarah. Sarah herself, it said, received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So we looked at the word that is translated judged here and we saw that sometimes it was translated governor, ruler, chief, things like that. And other times it was talked about judged and words in, in line with that. So we saw the common denominator here with these is to take as the chief thought. Take as the chief thought the words that God spoke. This is what she did. She took as the chief thought, the main thought in her mind, what God had said and decided. Not that, not that she judged him faithful, but that she took what he said and put it at the forefront. What goes before or what's in front. That for many, what God said is not the leading thought or the first priority. And we know that for a while, what Abraham's first thought, first priority was, was his body. Was the things his body said. Was the results, things that he had there. The uh, feelings he may have had on the inside. Or even what he could see. I can't see that I have any kids. I can't see that there's anyone here. And then we left you with this. What are some things, what are some other things for you? What are some of the things that tend to be the leading thought for you? What are some of the things that keep you from, from being there? So all that will lead us here into the next section. And we've got this little spot here in verse uh, 13. We're going to pick up back at verse 12 just to, to catch the context of it here. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable as the sand which is by this. This is, this is the promise. From one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. These all died in faith. Now, you almost, almost might think that he's referring to the multitude. These all died in faith. Now, he says these, not they. We're not talking about Abraham. And I think we might even be talking about more than Abraham and Sarah. Because the people who had the promise in sight were Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob. Were all those people who came from there. They all had the promise. And they kept it as part of the, the, the chief thought for them. They died in faith. Not having received the promises. So they died in faith 
and no promise was received. They didn't receive it. But it still says that they died in faith. So that means that they died in faith. They didn't die in doubt and unbelief. They died in, in faith believing. But how many times have we been in a spot where we were in faith believing for a thing and then fell, fell off into doubt and unbelief? To where, I, don't, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I know God promised that, but you know it happens for everybody else, but it doesn't happen for me. When we begin to talk like this, we're not in faith anymore. So these guys died in faith all the way up to the time that they died and went on to be with Jesus. They were saying things in line with this. Now look at what he says after this because it's quite interesting, the rest of this verse. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They had seen the promises. They had seen them. They had actually envisioned what God promised. Now, what's for, what we're looking at here is, that, well, two things, I guess. One, the multitude of people that would be there, the nation that they would become, and the land that they would have. But it had not come into fruition yet. And they died in faith. First off, it says, but having seen them, having seen the promises, having seen these things fulfilled, they saw them. They saw the promises. They didn't see them with their physical eyes, but they saw them because they were in faith. So they, they could see them. This is important that you see them. They saw them. Let's go on with what he says. Having seen them afar off. Having seen them afar off. Now this word here, afar off, means far off, a great distance away. The root of this word is faro. This particular word is farothin. Very similar. It comes from the, the word faro means, or I'm sorry, faro means far. And this one means far off. Now this particular word, far off, is only used two times in the Bible. Only two times. And this is one of them. There is only one other time that we see this. And this is over in Luke chapter 17 and verse 12. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Exact same word there. Only two times this is used. They stood afar off. That means that Jesus was within sight. But they were not close by. And they hollered out. Word of God says that they called to Jesus. They had to holler loudly. Because they had to stay back. Because of their condition. So they stood afar off. But they were not so far that they can't see. Now, so you could stay in here in in this country. And how many of you can envision London? We've seen pictures. We can envision Paris. We can envision other cities that are far, far away. Because I've seen pictures. I'm not seeing them. But I can envision it from pictures that other people have brought to me. Uh, pictures I've seen, you know, we have online now. Maybe if you like those travel magazines, you've seen some of the pictures that are in there. And you can put all those pictures together and you begin to see some of the things that are over there. They're afar, they're far off, but I'm not actually physically seeing it. I can just get that, that picture. But the only two times we have this, this word used, what we're, what we're seeing from here is not something so far off that I have to piece together some things so that I can envision what it would look like. It just means I'm not close by. 
it's off in the distance, but I can see it. See, sometimes when we're believing God for something, we picture something so far off. It's like England. It's like London. It's like Paris. It's like some place so far away. And I just try and build a picture in my head of what that might be, become, what that might be. But I don't get that picture from this. this. These folks were close enough. They could see it. They had spent time on this. They had meditated on it. They could see it. Can't touch it. It's still far off. But I can see it. That's why it says here, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They saw them afar off. It was a great distance away. We had to get to that same place with them that what we're seeing, all right, it may be afar off, but I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it like, well, I, I can't ever see it. I, I, I have no idea what it looks like. No, you, every day you see it. Every day these guys were waking up seeing the promise fulfilled, seeing what God had, had said coming about. Now look at the rest of this, this part here. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They were assured of them. Now the King James puts it, were persuaded. Which I think actually is a better translation. How often do you see me go for the New King, or the King James over the New King James word <laughs> translation? But it's actually a better translation, that word. Assured is not so good. But um, these guys didn't do as bad as some. This is the New Century Version. And I've used the New Century Version a lot. I like the New Century Version. Here's how they translated it. But I'll tell you what, talk about somebody who swung and missed. This is what they say. All these great people died in faith. They did not get the things that God promised His people, but they saw them coming from far in the future and were glad. <laughs> and that's a swing and a miss as far as I'm concerned. That's not what this word is talking about. This word is talking about being persuaded. Being persuaded. It's, it's a word that means assurance. It comes from the word... Uh, it come, I, put, I put it in your outline there. Did I put it in your outline? Okay. I wasn't sure what I had to take out. The insurance comes from the word to meaning put, being fully persuaded. Romans 4.21 and 14.5 use that phrase being fully persuaded. Now there's an adjective form of this word very, very close to it. In fact, they just put an S on the end of it. Is uh, by all a sigma, but you know, all accounts an S. And it's used in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. So it says that they were assured or they were persuaded of them. They became persuaded of the promises. They became not just assured, but they became persuaded that what the what God said in His promises this is what was going to happen. They were persuaded. Now think of it yourself. Have you ever considered uh, a matter and talking with somebody and somebody persuaded you to try a new restaurant? They told you how good it was. They told you how much they enjoyed it. They told you how much they liked it. You said, well, maybe I'll give that one a try. I've never been to that place before, but you know, maybe, maybe that'd be worthwhile giving it a try. And so you head on out there and because you were persuaded. Someone talk with you, 
someone convinced you and you yielded to their words. Now see, if somebody wants to come to you and tell you how good McDonald's is, you may have some prior experience on that and you may say, no. And you become resistant to their words to tell you about this good restaurant. Now, if that same person tried to tell you about another restaurant that you hadn't been to, but you know they tried to convince you that McDonald's was serving good food, what would you think? Well, I appreciate you telling me that and you go on off from there and you're not persuaded at all. I'm not going there to try that thing out. No, 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 no. Not going there at all. Because you're not, you're not persuaded. See, somebody came and they said words to you, but you weren't persuaded. You didn't receive those words. You became resistant to those words for some reason. And so those words that they spoke, they didn't convince you. And so you didn't go and you didn't try that new restaurant out. Now, sometimes you've been to a restaurant and you tried it out and you became enthralled with that restaurant. You were so, you so enjoyed that particular restaurant. You enjoyed the food that you got. You enjoyed maybe the desserts that were there. You some, something about the experience just made you just, just enjoy that. And I love good restaurants. I, we don't go out all that often. When we go on vacation, you know, we try and, and do a lot of our, our going out then. Absolutely love that. And so whenever we go to a new town, we're look, looking out. But a lot of times we go with my daughter and son-in-law and they do that uh, Yelp thing. And so they're looking up on Yelp and they're finding different things. And, and uh, you know, we've been to, to different ones when we were out in Pensacola. There wasn't a whole lot to do out in Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida, as far as I'm concerned, is a very boring town. There's not, the beaches are bad. The entertainment, not much entertainment, not much things to do there. But the restaurants were out of this world. And so they were sitting there on that little Yelp app, and we found this little hole in the, in the wall, uh, place to go out there for breakfast. And so we actually had, uh, she had found this one, and it was so busy when we got there that there was no way we were going to wait in line for all that. And so we decided not. So she said, well, I've got this other one, and it's right, no, I think actually we were standing in line waiting for it. And somebody walked by. Somebody walked by us. We didn't know who this person was. But somebody walked by. They saw us standing in line. I don't know what drew them to us. But they began to talk with us and to say, if you want really good food and less weight, go five doors down that way. In the same shopping center, little strip mall, was another hole in the wall. And they said, head on over there. And so we, we, we did because we were hungry. We wanted to eat now. And so we got out of line waiting for this, uh, this one that everybody raved about. And we went over to this one that um, no one really said anything about uh, as far as we knew. And just one person came walking up in line. Now, what was it about that that persuaded us? Uh, first off, we were hungry. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big thing right there. <laughs> we were hungry. Uh, secondly, we didn't like the long line we were looking at. We didn't really want to go to someplace else. So we just said, all right, we'll give that a try. I mean, what's, you throw away one breakfast, was the big deal? So we went on down there and we, we had some stuff and, and, uh, Chenzo, he wasn't around then, but the little girl was, was there and, and so she was, uh, sitting with me and we ordered our stuff and, and they had, uh, they had grits. But I believe they called these, uh, Cajun grits. And they had cheese in them. And so we ordered something for a little girl and I ordered the, Cajun grits, you know, for, on the side and ordered something, uh, uh, some kind of a, uh, what do they call it when they put the eggs in the muffin? Can't even think of it now. Eggs Benedict. But that was Cajun too. I said, oh, this is, this will, never had that before. Never had Cajun egg, eggs Benedict before, but let's give it a shot. So we brought that on in and so they bring the, uh, the grits on by first and I only got to eat about half of them. 
There's a little girl there who kept taking my spoon. Once she's tasted those things, boy, she was hooked and she was just taking that stuff and just eating. They were, they were some fantastic grits. They were good. Never had them flavored like that before. I mean, cheese, Cajun, and all the, mm, mm, it was good. I'd, I'd drive all the way to Pensacola just to have some of them right now. They were good. But then the, uh, the other thing we had, boy, that was good too. That was, that was good. We ended up going back the next day to the same place to have some more. And guess what I got? The exact same thing. Except this time I was smart and I got little girl her own bowl. So she could have hers and I had mine and I was able to, to enjoy them. It was, it was good. But you see, we were, we were persuaded. There was nothing in the history of, uh, of that man that caused us to not be persuaded. And so we were open to his words. And we were persuaded by some of the circumstances we were up against. That also helped to, to come in. But we became persuaded and then we acted upon it and we moved over to the other restaurant and we, we tried it out. Now I could tell you stories like that on a couple other restaurants we were out there in Pensacola. And, uh, Christian, he's talking about going and hopefully the Navy will send him back to school over there in Pensacola. And I said, if he does, we're going to go visit. <laughs> we're going to go visit. Going to go get me some more grits. Hopefully they're still around. <laughs> and just have some, have some fun out there. But, uh, yeah, we could, we could spend some time in all the different places that we're at. Just go back to those same restaurants and just have a good old time. Just go from one meal to another. That'd be, a, that'd be an alright vacation. But anyway, we were persuaded. You see, this is what we have to have go on. We need to be persuaded. Sometimes people come up alongside of us and easily persuade us. And sometimes we're resistant to it. What this is saying is that they let the Word of God, the words that God had spoken, come alongside them and easily persuade them. Now, when we get persuaded from the Word of God, the Word of God may say, you are healed. But then I get to be persuaded by other people who say healing is not for, for, for today. Well, God might not want to heal you. Well, it might be in God's purpose for you to have this. These kind of things come along and they can help persuade us and go in a different direction. Or whatever obstacles we're facing, when we face some obstacles and we're not obtaining that promise, and then sometimes we open ourselves up to another persuasion. Something else can come in and persuade us. We were initially persuaded by the Word of God and stood to believe for that. But because we had resistance, because we didn't find results the way we wanted to find them, or as soon as we wanted to find them, then other factors can come in. Other people's words, other people's interpretation of what God said, all these things can come in and they can, can be, begin to persuade us to go into a different direction. But these folks didn't do it. They saw afar off. And even though they hadn't received it in their day, they saw it. They could see it because of the picture that God had painted. Because they, they meditated on it so much. And when other things began to come in, they were not persuaded by them. They stayed persuaded by the Word of God. So that's the first thing that he, he says about them seeing afar off, that they were assured or they were persuaded. They were, pers- they were persuaded of the promises. Of the prom- there are things that are going to come in and are going to try and unpersuade you of the promises of God. They're going to try and come in and influence you to another direction. They're going to, through, through thoughts, through pains in your body, through other people, other kind of factors come in and they're going to try and persuade you you're not going to get this. This isn't going to happen. 
Well, these folks died in faith, it says, because they were assured of those promises. So are we that assured of the promises of God? Are we that assured that nothing else can come along and persuade us? It's just, it's not going to happen. How many of you ever have a favorite restaurant? And you go there, maybe not all the time, but maybe, you know, once a month, every other month, something like that, you go out to this restaurant. And you run into somebody and it's, oh, I've been there. We had lousy food. We had lousy service. And you think, boy, I never did. Would that persuade you to not go anymore? No, because your experience is, this has been good. And you would resist being, even though you may like that person <laughs> and may trust that person, because of your experience with it, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give into that. How resistant are you to the things that come and try and persuade you that the promises of God are going to work for you? They're trying to convince you that they are not. So that's the first thing that we see here is that they were assured of them. Secondly, they embraced them. They embraced them. Here's this, this word for embrace. It means to draw to oneself or to welcome. It's used a lot when you first greet somebody. When you first greet somebody, you haven't seen them in a while, depending upon how much you know them, I mean, just imagine if you go, we've had a few people going for some of the um, reunions that we had go on. And so you haven't seen these relatives for a year. Some of you folks have uh, reunions every year. I haven't been around a, a place that did that. But if you had a reunion once a year, and you haven't seen these people for a year, and then all of a sudden you go and see them, and do you, do you go up to them and say, Oh, hi, Vanessa. You don't do that, do you? Especially if you like them. <laughs> I mean, I, I realize there's some relatives you may not like. But the very fact that you are coming out to the reunion means that there are some people there that you like. There are some people that you are looking forward to. And so you may look around the, the crowd and you're looking for certain faces and certain people that are, that are going to be there. And, uh, and you, you find them. You go up to them and you may grab their hand and pull them in and wrap a hug on them or uh, uh, however it is that you greet them. And... But you don't just stand back there and kind of stand off and just, uh, you know, no, there's, there's some embracing that goes on. You go up there and you welcome them. You give them a hug. I mean, sometimes we only don't see each other for a week. And when we do, we come in there, hey, how you doing? Give each other a hug and, and, uh, cause, <laughs> cause we like each other, I guess. <laughs> I sure hope so. We like each other. But you see, this is what this word is, is talking about. To draw to oneself. So it's, when it's talking about, first off, they were convinced, they, they were persuaded by the promises of God. They embraced the promises of God. Why would you not embrace the promises of God? Think back uh, in the book of Genesis, when God came to Abraham and pronounced his blessing on him, and Abraham, Abraham says, what can you give me, seeing as I go childless? Is he embracing the promise of God? No, I mean, he wants to, but he's not embracing it right now. When that promise of God came by, <laughs> it's not working for me. You keep saying that, but it's not happening. And sometimes we can get that way with the promise of God. We've, we read in the Word, and He promises healing. We read in the Word, and He promises peace. We read in the Word, and He promises, uh, 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 well, whatever the things we, can, we want to put in there. He promises these things, but it's not happening in our life. I'm feeling other stuff. Other stuff is going on. And so when it comes again and it promises me that, I'm not embracing it. 
if faith isn't working for me and somebody wants to get up and teach on faith, I say, oh, not this again. I've heard so many teachings on faith and it's not doing me any good at all. I'm still in the same thing that I was in before. We don't, we're not embracing it. But see, that's not what they did. Even though they didn't see it with their physical eyes, they saw it in the spirit, so to speak. They saw it through the eyes of faith. And because they saw it through the eyes of faith, they embraced it. Every time that their mind went and visited what the promise of God said, they didn't push it away. They embraced it. Oh, yes. This is what God said. He said, we are going to become a great nation. I can just see it now. We are a huge nation. And God says he has given us this land. That means our nation is going to inhabit this soil. And every time that promise will come along, the devil will try and come along. Because, you know, just like he sows thoughts in us, he wants to sow, sow thoughts with them. He's come along saying, it's not going to happen. Look at the people who inhabit this land. You're not going to kick them out. Look at how few relatives you have. It's not going to work. There's no multiplying going on here. But every time that promise would come to mind, they got to the place. Abraham didn't do this beginning, but he got to the place that he embraced it. He grabbed hold of it and said, oh, there it is. There's the promise of God. This is good. He embraced it. To draw to oneself to welcome. Let's see what else he has to say. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now that word confessed here, I'm sure we have talked about this word before, homo logio, to speak the same thing. You see, homo means the same. We can, we can think of words in the English that come from that. Um, lego means to speak. To speak. To speak the same thing. So when we see here that it says that they assured of them, they embraced them, and they confessed. What that word confession means, to speak the same thing. In other words, everything that came out of their mouth, everything that they spoke with their mouth, was the same thing as the promise of God. It was exactly the same thing. They did not speak contrary to it. They did not speak different from it. They spoke the promise of God. And here's what he goes on to say. And confess or to speak the same thing that God was saying that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now that's interesting. He would go there. They didn't speak the same thing as we are a multitude. They didn't speak the same thing. This is our land. They spoke the same thing as we are pilgrims and sojourners on the earth. Now when it says they were strangers, basically it means they were guests. If you're a guest at someone's home, you're not staying forever. You're there for a little while. And the word pilgrims there means alien or foreigner. Alien or foreigner. They were, this, this, is, this is not where we're from. So here's what they're, they're confessing the same thing. So every time that they come to, well, let's go, let's, let's hit these, these things here first before we, we move on to that. So seeing through the eyes of faith is to be first off 
persuaded of the promise. Persuaded of the promise. I am convinced it is true. There is no doubt in me. I am convinced that the promise of God is true. That's the first way. If you're going to see something through the eyes of faith, you are saying, I am persuaded of the promise. Secondly, I embrace the promise. I draw it to myself. I welcome it. I don't push it away. Every time I hear about that promise, I draw it in because I like being around this. I believe that this is what it is. We embrace the promise. And third, we confess the promise or we speak the same thing where we're going to be in agreement. Remember we talked last week about being in agreement with God. That comes right in line with that. I confess the promise. I'm persuaded of the promise. I embrace the promise. And I confess the promise. So if I'm going to say I see things through the eyes of faith, uh, this is what I'm saying. And this is what I need to do. Because it's easier to say I see things through the eyes of faith than it is to do those three things. But here's what they did. They saw things through the eyes of faith. They were assured they had seen, even though they died without them actually coming out, they saw them afar off. They saw them through the eyes of faith. Because it says they, per, they were persuaded, they embraced, and they confessed. So if you want to say, I am seeing through the eyes of faith, these are the three things you need to have in your life. If you have these th- three things going on in your life, you are seeing through the eyes of faith. Not through the natural eyes. The eyes of faith are different. They are persuaded that what God said, He will bring about. What God promised is coming my way. We don't shy away from it. We embrace it. And I say the same things. I confess. Speak the same things that the promise has said. So, what did they confess? What did they speak as, as were the same things? That they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So of all the things for Hebrews to focus on, why are we focusing on pilgrims and strangers? Why are we not saying, this is our land? This is our land. Why are they not saying, we are going to become a great and mighty nation? So I was pondering on this for a while. Like I told you, you know, whenever I get into it, I just like to meditate on this, think on this thing for, for long periods of time. Just be meditating on it. And you've got to get yourself into the, um, the mind, so to speak, of whoever's writing these things. So I just meditate on it, think on these things. and think, why, are, why are we going to pilgrims and sojourners? Why are we going into this particular way? So I began to envision myself as Abraham. I began to envision myself as Isaac wandering around the promised land because we already find out they're intense. Wandering around the promised land. If you saw a rich, very rich person, if you saw somebody like Bill Gates, if you like saw somebody who's, uh, who else is worth, worth billions of dollars? Who's the guy with Facebook? There you go. If you're, uh, if you're Mark, if you're uh, one of the Hollywood people who makes millions of money on every movie that they've done and and you go over to them and they uh, you run into them at the supermarket and they they say hey would you like to come back to my house and okay and so you follow them back to their house and they take you to a tent and it's on a campsite 
And you might be saying, uh, Mark, uh, I thought you had a house. Why, why don't you take some of that money? Why don't you build a house? Why don't you buy some land? Build a house. You could build something nice. Why are you in a tent? Wouldn't you ask that question of somebody who is very rich? Why are you in a tent? So I'm thinking about this. If I'm Abraham and I'm wandering around there, I don't think anybody's going to come up to me and say, are you going to be having multiples of descendants? Are nations coming from you? I don't think I'm thinking that. I don't think I'm wondering, are you going to take ownership of this land? Are you, going to, are you going to take this away from us? I don't think they're thinking that either. But what's before them is there's a rich guy. He's richer than us. He's in a tent. Why is he in a tent? So they may come up to him and say, Abraham, why are you in a tent? Why don't you buy some land? Why don't you build yourself a house? You know what Abraham would say? This isn't my home. This isn't my home. I'm just a stranger here. I'm just a pilgrim. My home is somewhere else. I've got a different home. A different place. This isn't it. Well, Abraham, where is that home? God has built for me a home. He has carved out a city whose foundations are not of this world. That city is my home. That place that God has made, that's my home. And I'm sure that the first person who would have asked them got that response, probably went back into the city and said, you know what Abraham told me? Can you believe that ridiculous story? This guy's convinced that God has built a home for him. A city. And it's eventually going to come on down this way. Can you believe that? No, he didn't say that. Yeah, go ask him. And then somebody else comes over. Abraham. Why don't you buy a house? Why don't you buy some land? Build a house. Why don't you, why don't you do that? And Abraham would give them the same answer. I'll bet you pretty soon people were laughing behind Abraham's back. Because Abraham believed the promise. That my God built for me a city. We talked about that in the verses prior. But he has built for me a city. It's not my home. It's not the place where I'm going to be. That city is coming. But you see, the very reason that God was able to build a city, not made with hands, and have it eventually come down to the earth, in the new heaven and new earth, that would be there is because one man believed God and obeyed. And from that one man came the seed. The seed that would crush the serpent's head and bring redemption 
for all men. To buy them back. Without Abraham having done that, the kingdom that would be to come wouldn't be able to be here. So in some of these conversations that God has with Abraham, he tells them, this is what you've opened up for me. And this is what we're able to do. A city. It's already built, Abraham. It's already built. It's going to come down upon this earth. It's going to sit right over the promised land. This is what it's going to be. But for now, they're strangers. They're pilgrims. They're guests in this place. And they didn't lose sight of that. Let's read it again. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Not just in the land of promise, but on the earth. Verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. See those. Those who? Those who are in faith. They died in faith. For those who say such things, who speak of things that God said as though they are certain, though they have not seen the city, they had not seen heaven, they had not seen any of these things. They spoke of them in this way. They spoke of them as if they were matter of fact. Of course they are. Because they were assured. They were persuaded. Because God spoke some things to them. And just as we become persuaded, we can be become persuaded. Not all persuasion is good. How many of you had little boys and girls? who were generally very good until they got around certain people. No certain people would persuade them to do things that weren't so good. They would begin to persuade. Hey, you want to go out here and do this? And normally they would not. But these certain people will come in their life they're able to persuade them. You've got to resist those. Not all persuasion is good. We've got to resist the bad persuasion. Embrace the good. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. That's what they're saying. We may be here, but we're not home. So we're not going to buy land. We're not going to build a house. As far as we know, God never told them not to buy land or build a house. But they did it because they embraced the promises of God to the point they said, we're just strangers down here. We're just guests. We don't need a house. We don't need something permanent. When people say such things, for those who say such things, so this is what they said. They said things that were in line with what God taught them. In line with what God told them. What kind of things do we say? What kind of things are we speaking? Because we're not always saying things that seem that would tell people around us that we are declaring something, something good. A lot of times we're declaring something different. 
Oh, I don't know why this thing hasn't left me alone yet. I've been praying and praying and praying and it's just not going away. Are we in faith? No, if anybody points them out to anybody who's thinking that way, they get mad at them. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, you don't know what I faced. Well, you don't know what's going on. No, we don't. What we do know is the Word of God. What has the Word of God said? That's what you've got to say. You've got to begin to speak those things. And so we begin to speak those things. Out of our mouth come things that are in line with what God has promised. They're always coming out in line. With Abraham, the goal for him was, even when you have no child, what are you going to be saying? God has promised me that I will have a multitude. You keep speaking in agreement. Even though you don't have any physical evidence for it yet, you keep speaking in agreement. You keep going. You keep speaking in agreement. I'm going to keep on going this way. I'm not, not going to give in. Someone tries to come along and persuade you. Abraham, you ought to tone that down. I didn't bring this out here last week, but uh, I saw some things about Sarah that uh, really, if you look at her in the Old Testament, as far as we see from the Word of God, it's looking, looking at all the things, not only was she in doubt and unbelief, but every influence she had on her husband was bad. Now, it may not have been that way. But all we have in the Word of God, every single influence that she had on her husband was bad. So basically, if you just take what's in the Word of God, she was a bad wife. She kept speaking words and influencing Abraham to go against the promise of God. Well, perhaps God will do... And Abraham even was persuaded over to to that for a while. Oh, that Ishmael would walk before the Lord and be blessed. He says, he'll be blessed too. But that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about one to your wife Sarah. And eventually Sarah did get over to the spot where she was, she was good. But it sure seems like all in that beginning part, it didn't go so well. She wasn't doing so, so good on the influence that she had over Abraham. Verse 15, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Incredible verse right here. And sometimes we read over this and don't see what he's speaking of. And here's what he is saying. The confession was that they were sojourns, sojourners and pilgrims in a foreign land. And that their home is where? Not of this world. It's someplace else. Where was their home? First off, it was in Ur of the Chaldeans. Secondly, it was in Haran. And when they first get over to the land of promise, God had promised them. They first get there and they face famine. We always pick on them for going to Egypt. But how good was it that they didn't go home? How many times instead of us pressing forward I go back to what was comfortable. Back to what I did. I'm going to go, into, go back. And he says right here, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Abraham, where are you from? I'm of God. 
and he has a city. I'm just a sojourner and pilgrim on this earth. Yeah, but where were you, where'd you, when you, when you came from? Didn't you say you came from Haran? Didn't you come from Ur? That's your home. They may have tried to argue with him. That's your home. Some of them may have even said, we don't like you around here. Go back home. But it, look at what he says in this. And truly, if they had called to mind, they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have had opportunity to return. Doesn't the enemy try and bring to you calling to mind something that was before? Stop pressing forward to the promise of God. Just go back to what you did before. It was easier. This is hard. Why keep pressing? Why keep moving in this direction? Just relax. Just go after. Let's go back home. And truly, if they had called to mind, could they have called it to mind? Sure, they could have. And you know the enemy is helping them. But every time it comes, why are you wandering around on a tent here? Go back home. You got a house over there. You got people that you know. You got land over there. Go back. Why in the world are you hanging out here in a tent, wandering around? Don't have all the protection from the elements you should have. Come on, go back to where you were. And they refused to call that to mind. Now I'm not I'm not going back. I'm not thinking about that before. See, if we keep thinking about what we had, we may end up going back. Go back to what it was. Verse 16, But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Not the home we came from. Not even the promised land. Mm -mm. We want a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Does that mean that God is ashamed to be called the God of some people? What about those people who go around and talk about how God took these little kids home in these funerals? What do you think God is about them? I think God's ashamed of them. Why in the world are they out there representing me like that? Sometimes we don't always think about that, but God can be ashamed the way we represent Him. But these folks, He says, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. It's kind of like when you, uh, you're watching the movies and the family is in the Walmart these things always happen in, in Walmart. <laughs> and the kids are acting up. And then what do we want to say? Man, whose kids are they? I, I, I don't know. Somebody ought to get control of those kids. <laughs> right, because I'm ashamed to be calling them my kids right now because of the way they're acting. We get ashamed. We know what that's like. <laughs> but what if we live in such a way that God becomes ashamed? Yeah, they're calling me their God. Look at how they're acting. Getting angry all the time. Mean to people. Rude. And they want to go off and wear a Christian t-shirt. Tell people they're of the gospel. Here they are yelling at people. Telling people off. Man, I... God must be ashamed sometimes of the way we act. Not just to unsaved people, 
but even to save people. We've got to be, be thinking that God's looking at us. Am I acting in such a way that God's ashamed? When I'm not walking in faith, apparently God can get ashamed. I'm sure that there's other things we can do as well. But these folks, it says, nah. People came to them. They probably didn't say these things in the nicest of ways. But they would respond back, declaring plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they came out, they would have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. See, they're waiting. They are waiting. The word there actually means in the King James, uh, it's translated desired. It means to stretch oneself, to reach out after, long for, covet, after, or desire. It's translated waiting in the King James, New King James. Kind of think that's a bit of a weak translation for it. They're not just waiting. They're seeing it and they're stretching towards it. They're stretching out to it because I can, I can see it. And they're, they're making a stretching movements to get out there and to get it. They're reaching out after. They're longing for it. They're coveting after. But the Word of God says don't covet. No, it says don't covet certain things. <laughs> you can long after spiritual gifts. You can long after certain things in the, that are godly. But don't covet after what somebody else is somebody else's. There's plenty of stuff out there that's not theirs. Not, a, not other people's. Go after it. So they desired. They stretched themselves. I, with everything in me, I want to see that promise fulfilled. I'm stretching for it. I'm reaching for it. I'm going after this thing. Not just waiting. Sometimes we think waiting. Well, you know, I just sit here and wait and, and wait. And wait. No, no, no. This is an act of waiting. I am involved. I am reaching out. So that's what it says here. More, better translation. Other translations out there read longing for, yearning for, reaching out for. These are some of the other translations that, that, that come up. So thinking on times when I was won't help me to become. If I'm always thinking on times when I was it won't help me to become. If I'm thinking about times when I was healed, oh, I wish I could go back to when this didn't hurt. wish I could go back to when this didn't bother me. Oh, I wish I could just go back in time to when this, before this happened. If I'm always thinking of what I was, then I won't be able to think on what I can become. This is what Abraham did. He didn't think back to what he was. I was a Chaldean. I was over in the land of Haran. He didn't think about that. He had a vision of what he would become. I am a citizen of heaven. A city. Not yet come down. But it will be. And when it is, I will inhabit that city. There, there will be a house for me. And that house is good enough. So therefore, I'm going to wander in tents. 
Because I want people to ask me, why do you wear or why do you live in a tent? I want them to ask me. I'm baiting them to. And when they do, I tell them, because this is not my home. My home is someplace else. I'm a citizen of heaven. Because thinking on what I was won't help me to become. See, that's where we want to be. We want to be. We want to become. I wrote down just a few things. We already talked about healing. We pray. People pray to get healed. Sickness, disease, injuries, pains. People pray to be more prosperous. Raising my job. Get more money. Get this paid off. Become more loving. Not so fleshy. So angry. Boastful. Short-tempered. But to be one of those people who believes the best in others. This is what we need to be thinking of. Don't be thinking about the past. No matter how good the past was, it is the past. Think of what's ahead. What is God going to bring you into? What is God having you to become? The enemy wants you to think of where you came from and to go back to it. But God says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh. I called you out. Abraham, I called you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. I called you out of Haran. I called you to this place. And though you will not be the one who inherits, who inherits, this will not be the place that you're going to own, but to your descendants. I want you to get the picture of this. And so every time he would walk around, because God said, I want you to, to look. And as you're walking around, north, south, east, and west, it's yours. I've given it to you. So every time he pitched his tent, he's walking around. Because remember, if I just buy a house and stay here, all I'm going to see is my backyard, front yard, side yards. But no, he kept pitching his tent, kept walking around the land. What's he doing? Looking at what God has given him. But always his eyes are on. I am a citizen of another place. Not this one. So, we need to see through the eyes of faith. How good have you been doing at seeing through the eyes of faith? Are you persuaded? Are you persuaded that whatever it is that God has said in his word, he can do? Have you embraced those promises? Have you welcomed them in with open arms? And are you speaking things that are in agreement? Are you speaking the same thing? So many times when we battle something, especially in the area of sickness and disease or injury or whatever it might be, we go out from there and we begin to speak things. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. It just, it just hurts. I just keep feeling sick. I just keep feeling... And we begin to speak what is. We've lost sight of where we're going. But Abraham had to get himself to that place where he began to say, I am the father of many nations. And once God got him on that part, he began to envision other things they could say. I can say this. I am a sojourner here. I am a pilgrim. This is not my home. As far as I know, God never told him to say that. But because of what he envisioned, he spoke it out. Because he would sit back and he would envision all the things that God said about him. 
And he would see them coming about. And then he would begin to form his conversation to speak in agreement with what God said. Are we speaking in agreement with what God said? Are we just speaking in agreement with ourselves? Most times we'll find the latter is true. I'm just speaking in agreement with what I want, what I see. I can't get past that. Father, we thank you for the example that you give us in the Word, these heroes in the faith. How they could see through the eyes of faith. How they could embrace something in faith, not let it go. The ways that these people operated is the ways that we're supposed to be operating. And I thank you for the glimpse you have given us into the lives of these people. That we can adopt what they did so that our life can go on and be success just like theirs was. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Any comments? Questions? Anything I missed? Anything to add? <laughs> there you go. Um, I believe that um, to have um, those uh, promises that they believed in and, and, and they didn't waver from them, they had to be anchored in the soul. And um, the sixth chapter of Hebrews talks about um, that they had experienced that God, what God had said to them, um, and had spoke to them, and through the experience, they became to see that His Word, um, the fruition of His Word, and through that uh, that experience, their souls had become anchored. Because if your soul is not anchored, you're going to waver, you know. So I believe that um, when uh, the sixth chapter of uh, Hebrews talks about that. Um, that uh, through the promise and through his oath, which is impossible for God to lie, uh, we have a refuge for uh, a strong encouragement and um, indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. So through that, those experiences, they became to see that um, God's word was true um, and uh, they became confident in that word. And it... um, uh, they held fast to that. So, you know, uh, that was my thought on it. Amen. Yeah. Anchors. Boy, they are good. Anyone else? Any, anything from people joining us online? My buddy Steve. So is Steve saying he's a Grits fan too? Uh, he's a Grits fan. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. Okay. It sounds like yes. If we're going to make you hungry, you got to be a be a grits fan. Not at all. Oh, I tell you, you should have tasted these ones. Ooh. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. There's uh, just before you talked about the 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 action of the stretching. Yeah. I had written down that there is a doing or an action. You know, they like you said they weren't just uh, yep. you know that they were actively pursuing or stretching towards that with their actions, their words, everything in them. Was you know they weren't just you know kind of going well it's going to happen you know yeah that's it they weren't doing that yeah they weren't doing that it it was definitely an active type of of thing yeah yep good you had written that down before we even got into it direction we're going. I don't know if these lights are any brighter than they usually are, but I'm seeing spots tonight. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing extra stuff all over in here. It's <laughs> all right. Well, thanks all for coming on out. Uh, next week we will finish with Abraham. I don't know if we'll get to. Uh, we we might get to some of the things. Some of the things coming up ahead of time here. Um, Joseph. Some of the things with Joseph has me particularly excited. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to be able to to do that. So, don't know if we'll cover Abraham, Isaac, Joseph all the way on on down, but uh, somewhere along there we're, we'll be going. So, at least expect us to finish up Abraham, and we'll see who else we might get to be beside that one. Have a great night, and thanks all for coming out. <laughs>